All right, Hebrews chapter 10 is where we're going to be. We are in a series, this is a week three of a series called I Love My Church. And we have been talking about uh, why we love our church. Last week, Pastor Bubba did an amazing message on the heartbeat of our church. Would encourage you to go back and listen to those messages to catch up. You can go to oscconnect.com. We put all of our messages on there as well as on Facebook. We put them on there. But today, the title of today is We is Better Than Me. Everybody say that with me. We is very good. All right. How many in here love to eat? Just by a show of hands. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, y'all 1045. Y'all already hungry. What are we talking about? <laughs> it's 1115. Uh, how many, man, I feel like I got a spiritual gift of eating, by the way. I wish that was, how many wish that was a spiritual gift? Serving, giving, helps, and eating. How many would say that would be yours? You'd score 15 on that one. Yeah, that, that's mine. I love eating. Um, I know it may not show, but I do love eating a lot. I love good food. One of the things that I've trained my boys on is there's this one place that I absolutely love going to. It's not really, you can go and sit down there. It's not like a really nice sit down place. But if I'm going through Lafayette or if I'm going through Lake Charles, I usually stop at this place all the time. Uh, it's a place that I have brainwashed my boys to know that it's an awesome place. Uh, Joel loves it so much. He loves the bread at this place. And if you order the kids meal at this place, they don't give you a bread. We have had to have interventions on the drive to Jennings because they didn't give the bread. I've had to give over my bread, which that's not cool to help him. And uh, so this place is amazing. It's, a, it's amazing for a, a multiple of reasons, but there's one reason really that makes this place an absolute, the best place to be. Um, and it's Raising Cane's. Come on, can I get some Raising Cane's people up in here? Raising Cane's got good chicken, but how do you know you don't go for the chicken? What do you go for? That's exactly right. Everybody in here has been discipled well, okay? If you go for the sauce, that the sauce, and, and, if, you're, and if you're really spiritual, you do double sauce. One per, per strip, right? One sauce per strip. How do you know everything goes in the sauce? The bread goes in the sauce. The french fries go in the sauce. My finger goes in the sauce. I'm licking the sauce. There's no sauce left while it's over. I'm grabbing my kid's sauce. I mean, everything. I'm looking for sauce all over the place. There's something about this sauce that's absolutely amazing. Um, I love all the other. You can get chicken anywhere else, but there's something about this place. Fresh chicken and great sauce. People ask us all the time uh, here at our church kind of the same thing. What is OSC's special sauce? What is the thing that makes OSC what it is? And so I uh, decided in preparation for this message to kind of put that out there, actually, for you to help me preach this message. So this week on our Facebook page, which, by the way, if you're not on our OSC Jennings Facebook page, type in our Savior's Church Jennings and find our page. We also have a group as well. Um, go, go find both of those. Um, but I put out there this week a, a question. And here's the question that I asked. Since you joined the OSC family, what has been the one thing that has helped you grow the most in your walk? with Jesus. So I just put that out there and 35 different people commented what they thought. And so to help me preach a little bit today, I went ahead and screenshotted all of those, not all of them, but many of them, because I want you to see something here. And I want you to see if you can find out just by these people's comments, what the secret sauce is here at our Savior's Church. So let me show you a couple of these comments. Some of y'all are going to be on the big screen and you never even realized it. 
So here's, here's some answers as to what people say has helped them grow the most here at OSC. Definitely life groups. Life groups and surrounding myself with people who also love Jesus. An awesome pastor. Thank you, Hollins or Lacey, whoever said that. Uh, awesome people and next step. Definitely church family. Show the next one. <clears throat> Being with people who allow me to be real and no fake fronts. Come on, how many know that's a big deal right there? Life groups, continuing to connect with people other than just Sunday mornings. The men in my life group. My girls in my life group. We love you, Christine. Thank you, Christine. All right. How welcoming and kind everyone is. I instantly felt like I was a part of the family. How many would say the same for you? From the first day I stepped foot into our Savior's church and watched Pastor Josh preach the sermon, I was compelled and ready for more. And now she's joining the worship team. Come on, Alyssa. Welcome to the worship team. Side, you're on there. Church family, life groups, heard, church family, the worship team. Come on, how many give it up for our worship team? Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Also, my life group. Go to the next one. Life groups have helped us establish some awesome relationships. One-on-one honest discussions. Here, worship gets another one. I really, really, come on, a double really. I really, really appreciate life groups. In life group, you bond and become closer to family. You find the real in people and can open up and be your real self. What is the special sauce at our Savior's Church? Life groups and family. It's Jesus plus family is our special sauce. That is what makes OSC what it is. If you come here, the two things you're going to get a real big dose of, and you can ask a second helping of it, is Jesus. We're going to give you a lot of him because he's the best. And then we're going to give you a lot of family. And if you don't like either one of them, you're going to be really uncomfortable here (laughs) because we love people. I want you to write this down. If you got your notes, I want you to write this first thing down. You can live alone, but you can't thrive alone. You can live alone, but you can't thrive alone. We live in a culture in America where individualism, independence is such a big deal. Everybody is independent. You get it your way, my way. You can have it your way. Everything is about what you want. But how many know in the kingdom of God, it's not about independence. It's about dependence on God and people. How many know in the kingdom of God, it's about a family. It's about a community. It's about a people. It's not about an individual. It's about a people. And we saw this in the past two weeks as we've been leading into this series, this idea of this family, that we're not a church where you go to, but you're a family you belong to. In 2016, so just in this year, and just at this location, our Savior's Church in Jennings, we have a, our Savior's Church in Crowley, and we have an our Savior's Church in Eunice. But just listen to this, and I want you to celebrate this with me. Just in Jennings, and just in these last nine months... We've seen 197 people give their lives to the Lord. Isn't that amazing? Come on. And that's not just hands raised. That's people that have actually put on a card, I committed my life to the Lord today. 197 people. But I want you to listen to me. I celebrate that. We're so excited about that. We hope for some of you, you'll mark a card today. But listen, that's not where we stop. We don't want just a decision. We want a disciple. That's a difference. A decision is you raise a hand. A disciple is someone who's connected, following Jesus and growing. So we can make the decision, but God is so concerned about the disciple. He wants a disciple. And for us, discipleship happens in the context of relationships. If you read all these posts, you'll realize, and actually, if you go on our 
page. You can read a bunch more that I didn't put on here. And you'll see that life changed for these people. Notice none of them said, I felt like I've grown the most because I just came and sat in a seat. Or just because I was singing songs. Or because I was just giving in the offering. No, all of them, most of them said, I felt like the one thing that I could say has helped me grow in my relationship with God has been other people. It's been the family. I've gotten connected. I'm growing. I've discovered my gift. I'm on a team now. And so this is what we're all about. And so I want you to write this one big statement down. We is better than me. We is better than me. Hebrews chapter 10 is where we're going to be. We're going to be there for the majority of our time today. And we'll go into Acts 14 at the end of all this. But Hebrews chapter 10, and this is what it says. And I want you to notice something here. There's a lot of plural in this, in these verses, watch, watch what he says. He says, therefore, brothers and, and sisters, since what's that word? What is it? We have confidence to enter into the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Now notice something. He's not talking to an individual. He's not talking to just one random guy. He's talking to the we's in here that, that have been beaten up in life. He's talking to the we's in here that have lost all hope. He's talking to the we's in here. This is how many of you got some we's in here? We, he's saying we, this is all of us, brothers and sisters. He's including everybody. And this is what he says. Watch verse 20. By the new and living way that... Help me out. Who? Who? He. He. I want you to take note of that. He opened for us us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we we have a great priest over the house of God. Now, listen to me very closely. When me meets he, who is he, by the way? Okay, yeah. So let let me help you here. If you're new to the preaching, let me just tell you, anytime I say, who's he, it's always Jesus. Okay, so I'll help you out. Who's he? Jesus. Jesus, okay. It says, when me meets he who is Jesus, he always pushes you and I into we. So let me say that again. When me meets he, he pushes me into we. Because God is not consumed with you staying by yourself. He actually doesn't want you to be by yourself. How many of you know me by myself is not good? How many you know me by myself is full of anxiety? Me by myself is full of fear. Me by myself is full of, of pressure. Me by myself thinks the world's going to crash in on me. Me by myself is freaking out. Yeah. But God knows that we is better than me. When me meets he He pushes me into we. So for those that are here and you're meeting Jesus for the first time, or maybe this has been, you've been coming for a couple months, or maybe this is your first time today and you meet Jesus. I just want you to hear me. When you meet Jesus, he's going to introduce you to his family. And you just stepped into his family, which is why we say all the time, welcome home. Welcome home. This is what it is all about. Now, now we're going to continue in this chapter because he's now going to show us some let us. He's going to give us five of them, actually, and I'm going, to, I'm going to walk them through with you. And then I'm actually going to not only talk to you and preach to you about what is let us, I'm going to actually show you what it actually looks like in our church. So this is where he begins. Look, let's look in verse 22. He says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an an evil conscience and our bodies 
washed with pure water. So here's your first one. Let us draw near to God. Let us draw near to God. How many of you would agree that it is a lot harder to draw near to God by yourself? How many know that's the loneliest by you? By yourself, all right? I know, that was bad. I'm sorry. It's terrible. Let me, let me show you how this works, though. So when it comes in relationship with God, how we communicate with God, how we draw near to God, when there's sin in our lives, meaning when, when we're missing the mark, when we're doing something we know we shouldn't be doing, or when we're not doing what we should be doing. Both of those actually sin, by the way. When sin comes into our lives, it causes shame. And guess what shame drives you to? Isolation. Really? Yeah. You, you know how I can prove it to you? It happened in the very beginning of all of this. When God created Adam and Eve, he created them and he said, hey, be fruitful, multiply. I mean, you're naked, have fun, ride horses, ride lions for all I care. Let's hang out. I mean, he, he was walking with God. I mean, everything was amazing. It was exactly the way that God had designed it, that, that man and women would commune with God, walk with God. How many know how cool it would be you wake up and God's like, good morning. You want to go for a stroll? <laughs> how many know that's just amazing? Which, hey, by the way, that's what heaven is. So we're going to go back to that. And anyways, okay, I don't want to, that. Maybe we'll do that and you ask for it. Okay, so, so God, of course, comes in and says, hey, listen, all this is great. The only thing is stay away from this tree. Don't, don't eat of this tree. Don't partake of this tree. Of course, we know they do it. They get deceived. They, they fall into it. Sin enters into the world. And the first thing that happens is what? They realize what? They realize they're naked. Hey, they've been naked the whole time. But that's what shame does. Shame now tries to identify yourself as this is who you are. And so what do they do? They try to cover themselves up. And not only do they try to cover themselves, then they hide from God. And, and, it, and, and if, if the fig leaf was just enough, they would have covered themselves and then gone, okay, God, let's go for a walk. But they didn't do that, did they? They, they covered themselves with fig leaves and they stayed hidden behind a tree. And guess who went and found them? God. Hey, which, by the way, I just want to let you know, you didn't find God. God found you. I mean, you know, you didn't want to have anything to do with God. You weren't that good. He came and found you. And so God shows up on the scene and says, Adam, where you at? And Adam just begins to tell him we're naked. Who told you you were naked? All this stuff. I, I say all that just to say, when sin enters into our lives, shame enters into our lives. And when shame enters into our lives, isolation begins to happen. We isolate ourselves. That's what happens in our lives. And so this whole idea of let us draw near to God is this idea that we need people to help us draw near to God. Look at this verse in uh, James chapter 5. James chapter 5 verse 16. It says, confess your sins to who? To who? To each other. And pray for each other. Now watch this. So that you may be what? Healed. Healed. Okay, so here's the deal. God forgives. You can confess your sins to God for forgiveness, but God is telling us here, you need to confess your sins to someone else for healing. And, and the, the way that this works is, is that because we sin and because we have shame and because we go into hiding, there is no healing in hiding. And so God tells us, let us draw near to God 
together because you need the us to draw near to God. How many would say when you come into this place and you you look across the row or you look behind you in front of you and you know maybe a little bit of that person's history or what they've been through that week and you see them raising their hands and worship Jesus. How many know that does something inside of you? You said if that can if God can do something in that guy and he's a lot worse than I am. Or if God could do something in that girl, or dear God, I never thought I'd see you in church. And yet you see these people and they're going after God. How many of you know that just draws your heart more to God? Let me show you what this looks like. I'm going to show you an image of this. So this, I took, we took this picture a couple, a couple weeks ago um, with, yeah, there we go. This is the picture of draw near. Let us draw near. Let us, and I, and I love not only that Miss Tracy, our lead, is leading in worship, but I love that our kids are. Come on, how many of you know there's nothing that blesses your heart more than seeing your kids go after God? How many of you know when your kids get around other kids that are going after God, how many of you know it makes them want to go after God? Let us draw near. Let me show you another picture. This, this, this stuff warms my heart. This is what let us draw near looks like. You know, James chapter five, confess your sins to each other, pray for each other. Now you got to see it in real life. This is what it looks like. Hey, brother, what's going on? Man, this is what I'm struggling with. Man, guys, let's pray for this dude. Let's pray for him. You know why? So that he can be healed. There's areas of your life that are not healed because there's areas of your life you haven't unhidden. It's hidden and there's no healing in hiding. And so it begins with us. Now you say, man, I've been hurt in life. People have hurt me. I understand all that. We'll maybe talk more about that. And there's, there's a safe place. You want to make sure that you can trust people and all that stuff. I understand completely all that. But I'm just letting you know, you're going to need some us's in order to draw near to God. The only people that I know that are far from God are people that don't have let us's in their life. They're trying to do it on their own. And so he says, let us draw near. Let me, let me show you the next one. Look at verse 23. He says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Here's your next one. Let us hold on to hope. Let us hold on to hope. How many know if you don't have any hope, you're not going to find it in yourself? (laughs) I know we believe the lie that if I have no hope, that if I just dig deep enough that I'm eventually going to find some hope. But the truth is, how many know if you don't got no hope, you don't got no hope. You ain't finding it. I mean, you can keep looking all over, but you ain't finding hope. And how many of you know that sometimes you got to get around some people that have hope and you got to borrow some hope. You got to go, I don't have any hope for my marriage, but undoubtedly you have hope for my marriage. And I'm going to borrow your hope right now until I get my own hope. He says, let us, let us hold on to hope. That there's people, there's stories. You walk in and whether it's a failed marriage or, man, I've been addicted to drugs for so long. And you get around somebody who has, who has overcome that and you go, I need some of that hope. My, my marriage is falling apart and we are on the verge of divorce. And yet I see that your, your marriage was at one time falling apart and God has restored that. And so I need to borrow hope. This is what we do in the let us when we come into a gathering like this or we come into a life group. Oftentimes we don't have the hope for ourselves, but somebody's got it for us and we just need to borrow it for a little bit. Let me show you how this has played out personally, because this is the reason I'm so passionate about this is because I am a living example of having let us in my life. So as many of you know, over three and a half years ago, going on almost four now, well, before next year in January, 
we got diagnosed with our son having a, a, um, a disease that was supposed to take his life. And when you go to these doctors and they tell you your son will die in a year, so just do your best and try to enjoy him. How many of you know that doesn't give a lot of hope? And, and, and for Lindsay and I, it was so important for us to have the, the we's and the us's in our lives in those moments. We never knew that our son had this. This came out of the left field. Nobody warned us and said, hey, your son's going to have this. There was no warning. How many know storms don't give warnings? Anybody got a warning on the flood? Yeah, exactly. It just comes in and it tries to shake you. But if you don't have a foundation with some we's in your life, you'll get shaken. But I want to show you. And I want to show you pictures of this. Because, man, I was doing this last night, man, just crying over just the grace of God through his people. Let me show you a couple things. So the first two weeks of, of, of our diagnosis, Joel was doing really, really bad. He got life flighted from Lake Charles all the way over to New Orleans. Uh, and when we get there, most of you may or may not know, our, our spiritual family of churches is not just our three churches, but we have churches in Lafayette, Mandeville, New Orleans, Lake Charles, St. Louis, Destin, Texas. We have, we have church family all over. So when my son landed in New Orleans, this guy, his name's John Scott. It's a dear friend of mine. He's a pastor at Church of the King in Mandeville. Was right there when I got there. And when I got there, he said, man, what, well, how can I help? Now, here's the backstory of John Scott. John Scott's son, a year earlier, had died from brain tumor. And so he, he, he's grieving through his own loss. And here he is at the hospital for the next two weeks as we walk through some of the darkest days in that hospital. And he would come up every single day. And guess what he's doing there? He's reading scriptures over my son. This is what let us looks like. This is what, let me show you another picture. This is a guy here at our church, Jonathan. Most of you probably know him. Um, I, I was playing with my son and my son at that time had a, a line in his chest. I was pumping medicine and, uh, I moved him the wrong way and popped the line out of his chest. Not fun. Um, blood's coming out everywhere. A little bit of a freak out. We rushed to Lake Charles and I get on the phone with Jonathan and say, man, I need you. I need your help. Man, I need to feed my family. I need all this. And so he brings food and then he entertains my son for the next couple of hours as they run tests. This is what let us looks like. Let me show you another one. This is the moment right before Joel underwent the, the, the biggest surgery in his life, had open heart surgery from his back. This is one of the scariest parts of our, we went to a brand new hospital, brand new staff, a lot of other things. And, and look who's there. My pastor, Pastor Bubba which is our pastor, Pastor Zach, our Crowley campus pastor. My dad was there. My brother was there. We had a, a guy from the Eunice campus just drove over there to show up. I'm like, what? Who does this? We does this. This is what we looks like. Come on, how many, how many are thankful to have people like this that drop all that they're doing and said, we're going to fly up there and we'll be there with you. We'll be there. Let me, let me show you another one. This is enough. This is... When Joel was undergoing all that is going on, this church decided that they were going to host a prayer and worship service just for my son. And they came together and worshiped and prayed just for my son. This is what we looks like. It wasn't just because I'm a pastor here. This was what you do when you rally around people that are hurting. We have so many other stories. Let me show you another one. This is what we looks like when their guy says, hey, let's put on a race 
to raise money for this disease. And these, we surrounded and said, let's do that. And we raised over $230,000 in two races. This is what we looks like. And we need to give God all the praise for what he does through his church. This is what he does. This is the we's. This is the, let us hold on to hope. Come on, it does something to your soul when you get around somebody that's got some hope for you. Even when you've lost it in yourself. This is what let us hold on to hope looks like. Let me give you the third one. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds. Let me give you this next one. Let us stir up one another. You know, many of us wake up in the morning and our whole goal in the day is just to try to survive the day. I mean, no, you like wake up and you're like, I don't know if I can make it today. I mean, just trying to survive just to get through the day. But this verse right here kind of gives you a new goal in life. And this is what it says. And I want you to notice this word. Let us consider. Circle that word. Highlight that word. Kind of make a little star by that word. Because that word is there strategically and intentionally. Let us consider how to stir up one another. Consider. What does, it, what does consider mean? To look at, to think about, to focus on. How I many know when we wake up, the focus is usually on me and my day and my agenda and what I got to do and all the stuff that's going on, all the pressure and all the weight. And God's going, here, you want to know how you can wake up? It's not Folgers in your cup, okay? This is how the great way to wake up here is what can I do today to stir up somebody else to love God and to do good deeds? Because there is no greater reason to live and focus every day than to wake up and go, today it's not about me. How many know when it's all about you, you stay miserable? When it's all about you, you, you stay in your depression. When it's all about you, you stay in that little circle of self-pity. But how many know when you wake up and go, God, you know what? My life may be terrible right now. It might not be going well. But come on, what today can I do for somebody else? Consider ways to stir up one another. You know, people do that every week here at OSC. Every Sunday morning, there's people that wake up way early So for the sole purpose of serving you, of stirring you up, I, I, last week, Pastor Bubba preached. So I got a chance to just to kind of go around our campus and see what God's doing in our kids department and in our greeters and, and all over and get to take an assessment of what's going on. And I took a picture last week of something that was happening at our kids in our kids building. You may or may not know this. We preach and talk about life groups all the time, but did you know that your kids are in them too? When your kids go back there, they don't just go and just sit and listen to a story. They go and they sit around a table with a dream team person from our team that absolutely loves them. And they sit around and go, how was your week? How's things going on in you? Let's talk about what God did today. So the same thing that we're encouraging you to do, they're doing. That, how many are thankful for Miss Bridget, by the way? Amazing. We love Miss Bridget. <clears throat> Show the next one. There's, and I just started taking pictures of different ones. This is Denise doing it with some of our boys, just sitting there listening. They're, listen, they're not just drinking Kool-Aid and listening to a story. They're sharing their lives. They're sharing their days. I hear from some of these dream team as they come out crying about how these kids are sharing stuff that's going on at home. Some of them are talking about you, by the way. Um, uh-oh. And so look at the next one. I love this. I love this picture. You got Luke and Christian and these are junior high kids and high school kids that are leading life groups with your kids. So our kids aren't even going to church just to receive. They're now going to church because now they're going to stir up somebody else. How many of you know that's encouraging? 
It's encouraging to see your kids want to be in church, not so they can go and receive, but they want to go to church because they want to go help some other kids. This is what the church looks like. This is what family looks like. This is what stirring up one another looks like. Here's number, the next one in verse 25. Look at, look at verse 25. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. Here's your next one. Let us keep meeting together. Now, you notice, he kind of divided this in this short little sentence. He divided it kind of into two groups. Your first group is not neglecting to meet together. And then your second group is as is the habit of some. Meaning that there are those who make getting together a priority in their life. And there's those that make getting together not a priority in their life. And God is saying through Hebrews here from Paul that you need to make not neglecting to meet together a priority. We need a let us. And if all you do is randomly visit the church when it's convenient for you and you show up and you listen to the message and then you jet out to your car as soon as they say amen, you're missing the point. I know there's not a lot of amens. <laughs> but listen to me. If you only come to sit in a seat so you can show God, God, look, I was at church. Check it off. I should be good with you, right? You're missing the point. The point of church is not to make a decision. The point of church is to make a disciple. And discipleship happens in the context of family, of getting connected to the family. Last weekend, we took this picture. Um, This is our next step class. Last weekend, over 40 people are connecting to the church as of last weekend. We had so many people lined up all across because people are now going, I'm not just cool with just spectating. I want to be in. I want to be participating in this. I want to make this a part. And I've just been with these people for the last three weeks or so. And to see what God is doing in them already in three weeks is amazing. But it makes the decision of I'm going to put a priority on not neglecting to meet together. Meeting together is going to be a priority in my life. It's got to be a priority in our life to get together, to get some hope, to, get some, to draw near to God, to stir one another up. And then let me give you this next one. This is the last one. It says this, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Here's your next one. Let us encourage one another. Let us encourage one another. Encouragement only happens when you walk close enough to each other to know what each other needs. Encouragement only happens when you walk close enough with each other to know what each other needs. Have you ever said anything like this? Don't raise your hand. But have you ever said anything like this? Why does nobody call me? Why does nobody contact me? Nobody cares about me? I know, I know nobody in here has ever said that, but if you have said that, can I, can I offer a, um, maybe a revelation for you? Those that need encouragement, you know how you get out of discouragement? You give encouragement to those that need it. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me say it maybe a, a different way. The quickest way to be encouraged is to encourage someone else. 
man, I don't know, oh, pity me and this and all that. Why don't instead you, you go, you know what, let me consider how I can encourage somebody else. Man, I am in a funk right now, so I'm going to try to help somebody else get out of a funk. And maybe by helping somebody else get out of a funk, I'll get out of a funk. Hey, you know what? And that's biblical, by the way. Oh, you don't believe me. Okay, I see your face looking at me like, oh, no, no, you didn't say that. Oh, yeah, he did. Let me prove it to you. Proverbs eleven twenty five. Look at this. Those who refresh, who? Who? Those who refresh others. Watch what happens. Will themselves be refreshed. Those who refresh others, though they themselves will be refreshed. Let me show you a picture of this. This I, I took this picture yesterday. So I don't listen. I don't talk about just life groups. I don't preach about life groups. I don't talk about you being in community, and I don't do it myself. I took this picture yesterday. This is our herd. So yeah, come on, give it up for some strong men in the house. So this happens at Don's Wholesale Dealership. Yeah, but we're reading the Bible in a car dealership. Go figure. Never thought that would ever happen. But we are, and this happens every Saturday at 9 a.m. And I'm going to tell you, listen, I don't go to this on Saturday. There's plenty of other things I could be doing on a Saturday morning. But this is a priority in my life, not because I go to teach it, but I go because I need them. Because I need to be encouraged by them. How many know you're not encouraged by people's strengths? You're often encouraged by people's weaknesses. When you get into a room... And everybody's like, yeah, man, I've been reading my Bible every day. And man, I've been serving and loving my wife. You're like, shut up. <laughs> I've been smoking dope. <laughs> I've been, I cussed at my wife this week. I, I, I'm not saying that for me. I'm just saying, I'm using y'all as an example. <laughs> uh, that's not to say I haven't wanted to. <laughs> uh, but I, this these guys, one, it's growing, which I love to see more men getting connected to it, which by the way, if you're any man in here, I would encourage you to make this kind of stuff a priority because I've seen men that were on the verge of divorce start making this a priority and God rescue their marriage because God wasn't working on the wife. He was working on the man, which by the way, we have one on 630 at Wednesdays too, and we want to have more of them. But I, I, I don't go to this just so that I can give something. I go to this so that I can be refreshed. And I'm learning that when I go and refresh other men, God refreshes me. God refreshes me. This is why leading a life group is so important. Oh, I can't lead a life group. Yeah, you could. Because guess what? Maybe if you would lead one, maybe it would refresh you. Maybe it would do something inside of you. I want you to write this down. We is greater than me. I had you write down, we is better than me, but I want you to write down, we is greater than me. Okay, let's, let's give an illustration. I know everybody in the world is wondering, why in the world do you have a weight bench on the stage? Glad you asked. So here's what I want you to hopefully get away from this, from, from this illustration, and hopefully it'll always be something that you remember. So I want you to imagine this is life. And in life, you and I have weights. You carry weight. You carry the weight of your marriage. You carry the weight of, of your job. You carry the weight of parenting. How many know parenting is a weight? There's pressure. There's things that are going on there. And, and as you um, deal with life, there's certain weights that are put on you that you feel like you can handle. How many know when you had your first kid, you're like, oh my God. And then you get three and you're like, eh, <laughs> we're good there. 
the way that this works is, is if this represents the weight that you carry in life and you feel like this is, this is moderate. I mean, I can, I can do this. I mean, this isn't, this isn't much. We can go about it. There we go. But how many of you know that life doesn't just give you just a little weight? How many of you know in life you get a lot more weight? Let me get some of my guys up here to come, come help me with this one. In life, there is sometimes weight that you can handle. Man, I got this. Maybe you were raised in a family where your dad tells you to suck it up. Don't cry. You got this. You can handle this. You can do this. So your whole life, you've been treated in such a way, you've been modeled in such a way that, hey, you don't ask for help. You can do this. I don't care what you got going on in your life. You can handle this. This is something that you can do in your life. This is something that you can help out with. And, and, and you, can, you can look at this weight and you can go, you know what? I got this. I got this. No, I might not got this. <laughs> I got this. I got a little bit of it. But how many of you know there's those things in your life like your son gets diagnosed with a disease that you never saw coming or your wife gets breast cancer that you never saw coming or your husband loses his job that you never saw coming or uh, there's people that are mad at you and you never saw that coming and how many of you know it's just more and more weight. And you in your self-confidence says, I can do this. I mean, I can lift this. This ain't nothing. I, I got this. And what you don't realize is that you push away every person that could help. I got this. I got this. And you go and you try to do it on your own. And then you realize as you get down that it starts crushing you. And you get to a place where <laughs> you need help. This is life and the pressures of life. Listen to me. And for some of you, give it up for our guys. Man, strong, strong. Strength. I don't need any more. No, I'm good. Illustration's good. We're, no, we're good. I don't even want to do it again. And so, but I want you to listen to me. And I, want, I, I hope this locks into your brain. Some of you have been trying to lift the weights of life for so long and it is squeezing the life out of you. It is crushing you. But you won't ask anybody for help. And so it's been staying there for so long. And for some of you, to the point where it suffocated you so much, you literally feel like you want to take your own life. How do you think suicide comes about? The pressures of life... Not it living in isolation. This is what it does. This is why you need the let us. It's so that the weight of your life, when you get to a place where you can't handle it anymore, the Bible says that we bear one another's burdens. Come on, all the stuff that I've walked through in my life, if it wouldn't have been for the wheeze, I would have given up hope. I'm thankful for the men that have come alongside me and left me lift. Hey, how many know some of those things you've got to lift it? It's your deed. You've got to lift it. It's on you. But how many know it helps when you got somebody that can lift it with you? You still got to lift it. You still got to go through it. But how many know it's helpful when you got a brother that can lift it with you? When you got a sister 
that can lift it with you. We is greater than me. I want you to turn to Acts 14, and I want, I want us to wrap it up with this. Write this down. This is your last one. We needs me, and me needs we. We needs me, and me needs we. Acts 14, it says this, but Jews came from Antioch. I want you to underline that, that word, Antioch. That's a, that's a big thing. We'll come back to it in a minute. Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul. And they drug him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. So back in those days, Romans would crucify you, but Jews would stone you. And it says that the Jews did not like what Paul was saying. They did not like what he was preaching. They went and actually drug him out of the city, grabbed actual stones, and stoned him right there on site. They left supposing that he was dead. Most scholars believe that he actually did die. If you go and you read 2 Corinthians, you see the vision of, of, that Paul has in, in heaven. Many people think it was at this moment when he died and had, had a vision with the Lord, was with the Lord. But I want you to notice something here. We've got to take note of this. So he's been drug out. He's been killed right there on the scene. And watch what happens next. Verse 20. But when the disciples gathered about him. Catch that. When the disciples gathered about him. He rose up and entered the city. And on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derby. Here's the question. Let's, let's fill in some areas where the Bible doesn't quite give us the details. What do you think the disciples did when they went out there with him? Prayed for him, right? I think they gathered around that place and said, Hey, God, we believe. We've watched you raise people from the dead. You were risen from the dead. You said the same power that lives in us, uh, lives in you, lives in us. And so, God, we're praying over Paul. God, we pray you would raise him up. And then all of a sudden, <gasps> and he comes up out of, out of this place of death. And he, he gets up. And the craziest part of it all, he walks back into the same city that he was drug out of. Because you can walk into difficult situations when you got a posse with you. And all his brother, I can't imagine, a brother had to walk back with some swag. <laughs> He's probably limping a little bit because he got stoned. But he got a little, a little dip in his step. And his, all his guys were like, mm. <laughs> Paul, we did this. There, there had, I would have done that, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, the guy was dead. Disciples, I think, prayed, rose up again, and then he goes right back in the same city. Now watch this. It continues. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many what? Not decisions. Remember? We're not after decisions. We're after disciples. He made many disciples. Now watch this. They turned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, the place where these people did not want him. He goes right back into the places where people don't want him. And now watch what he does. This is so cute. It's so huge. He strengthened the souls of the disciples. Man, who needs strengthening? I think Paul does. But Paul didn't walk around and go, hey guys, uh, can y'all like help me out, man? I just got stoned. He's not even talking about him being stoned. He just walks around and his whole goal is to encourage other people. I mean, no, when you got stoned, you don't look that good. I mean, let's, let's, let's not take those things for granted. The brother looks stoned. Now, not the stone that you're thinking of. 
But he's got to have busted lips, busted eye. I mean, he's got to have scrapes and bandages. I mean, if he died from stoning, I mean, this was not a good thing. So imagine this guy walks up into church. Like, dude, how are you doing? You don't even want to know. Don't even want to know. I don't even know if the ushers even asked him how his day was. But all he does, he gets up on the stage and then he just starts preaching strength back into the disciples. Look what happened to me. Look what God did in me. Look what, listen, those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Now watch this. He was strengthening the souls of the disciples and what? (laughs) Encouraging them. He didn't focus on what he was losing. He focused on encouraging them to continue in the faith. How many know when a guy's been raised from the dead and he says, hey, you can do that. You're like, yes, I can. Yes, I can. Anytime a guy raises from the dead and he tells you something, you listen. And it says in saying that through, now watch this, that through many tribulations, what? What's that word? What is it? We must enter the kingdom of God. This is what he says. Through many tribulations, we. Not through many tribulations, I. But through many tribulations, we. Listen to me. You will go through tribulation. You will go through suffering. You will go through hardship. We will go through hardship. Just don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. So, I want to show you a a picture of this. Of when you walk through hardship, what it looks like when you don't do it alone. Some of you may have seen this video. I posted it a while back. But I want to show it to you again if you missed it. This is what it looks like. So why don't you tell people what, what's happening here. This was y'all's bedroom, right? Yeah, this is our bedroom and our bathroom. So if you want to see a little bit of what's, what's going here. Four or five months ago. Okay. And uh, you know, we came out pretty lucky because the rest of the house is, you know, 12 feet up and falling. So we are, we're lucky this is all that happened. You know? We're in the border of Lake Arthur and Gaydon. Yeah, Klondike, Klondike, Louisiana, and the tip of Cameron Paris, you know. My dad's out here and all the good folks. Our Savior's church. What's it been like to have church family out here? Unbelievable. <laughs> you know, unreal. Yeah. It's been a pretty long two weeks. My yeah. little girl had her tonsils taken out and just work. My wife's college and this and, you know, so it's good to have a family. Yeah. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is what our church family is all about, man. And we're here with you you guys. And uh, thank you for everybody that's been praying for Mikey and Ashlyn and uh, that have been helping donate. And when you're donating, this is what it's going to. Uh, We're helping families just like this. And so thank you so much for everybody that's uh, pitching in and helping out. Thank y'all. We're here with you guys. Very much. Yep. You know, one of the revelations that I felt like God was speaking to me this week was sometimes, how many of you are praying for something and it just seems like God's not answering it? Anybody in here have something like that where it's like, you've been praying, praying, and praying, God's not answering it? Maybe at least the way that you don't feel like he's answering. And um, thinking about Mikey and Ashlyn and 
just a lot of the stuff that's happened. That's one of stories of hundreds of stories, by the way. Sometimes the prayers that we pray and asking God, God, I need help with my marriage. God, I need help with my finances. God, I need help with my drug addiction. God, I need help with my parenting. Listen to me. Maybe the answer is sitting next to you. Maybe the answer is sitting in this room. We've been praying, God, help my marriage. God's going, I've been trying to help you. I've been trying to get you connected to people that could help you with your marriage, but you don't want to get connected to them. Man, I've been having this drug addiction. And God's going, I I know there's people in this church that have been delivered from drugs that can help you with your drug addiction, but you don't want to get connected to them. I need help with my finances. I don't have a job. Maybe you don't have a job and there's somebody here that could help you get a job. We've helped more guys get jobs in this last five months than I could ever even imagine. You know why? Because those guys are connected. They find other jobs and other guys. Listen, the answer to your prayer may be sitting in this room. It may be sitting in this room. And so instead of us asking God, just fix the situation, maybe God's trying to fix you before he fixes the situation. This is the part of the body that many of us reject and push away, but you don't realize when you embrace that part of the body, you get healing. Mike and Ashlyn and all that, they prayed and look who shows up. Look who shows up. Sometimes you don't need a miracle. Sometimes you need a brother. Sometimes you don't need a miracle. You need a sister. Because that sister is going to help bring that miracle around to you. Would you bow your heads all across this room? Eyes closed. Hearts open. If you in here, first off, if, I want to I speak to those here today that the first step for you may be just be getting into the family of God. And and the way you get into the family of God is you meet the Father. You meet the Father. And He has been drawing your heart. The reason you're here today, you thought maybe it's because somebody invited you. (laughs) Truth is, God's been tugging on your heart for some time. And right here in this moment, He's drawing you to Himself. Maybe you've been hiding like Adam and Eve and you've had shame of the sin that you've had. In the grace of God, Jesus is coming and he's calling your name. He's asking, where are you? And all we do is we just respond and say, God, here I am. And God can take that shame and he can not only heal it and forgive it, but he'll cover you new. He'll give you a new heart. That's what it means to be born again, that we give our lives over to him, serve him wholeheartedly. So there's those of you that are in this room and, that, and that's you. You want to give your whole heart to God. I want you to do this. It's going to take a little boldness. I told you we're going to do this service a little bit differently. But would you stand right there where you are and say, count me in. Come on, pray for me. Count me in. If any of that's you, thank you. Thank you for standing, man. Anybody else, count me in on this prayer. Count me in on this prayer. You can go ahead. Stay standing. Stay standing right where you are. It's all right. We celebrate this. There is nothing to be shameful for. We are all Sinners saved by grace. If that's you, count me in on this. Okay, so you stay standing. Now I want to talk to those in here. You're saved. You love Jesus. But you're isolated. You're by yourself. 
the enemy's been able to lie to you long enough. Maybe you're in a place of depression. Maybe you've been in a place of, of, of just where you, 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 you haven't been sharing your heart with people. There's been some struggles. People ask you how you're doing and you fake it. But at the end of the night, you got to go lay down on that bed and you got to know that you're living a life that's different than what you're saying. And today you are realizing by the spirit of God that you need a we. That we is better than me. I don't, and you say today, Pastor Josh, I don't want to live isolated anymore. I need a we. If that's you, will you stand up all across this place? Come on, stand up all the way. Come on, stand up. If that's you, stand up. I need a we. My marriage needs a we. My, my, my parenting, we need we. My finances, I need a we. Come on, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now we're going to do this. You don't have to, but I want to invite you to do this. If you're standing in this place, I want you to come forward. Just right there we are. You can come on. And we want to pray for you. We want to do what James 5 says, that we will confess our sins to one another. But more importantly, we will pray for one another. And if that's you, just come stand. It's all right. Just come stand. Come stand. Come stand. All right, leaders. I'm going to need you. I'm going to need you. Come on, just keep coming. You can squeeze in. We can squeeze in. Come on, we all in this together. Thank you all for your honesty. Would you lift your hands right there where you are? All those that are forward, that are, that are standing up here. Lift, just lift your hands right there. If you're in the audience, would you stretch your hands towards every person that's here? This is family, guys. This is family. We see a family that's struggling. We see anybody in our, in our, in our family that's hurting, needs us. We, we respond. So, Father, we pray right now, Lord, every, every single hand that's raised, God. Thank you for their honesty, God. Lord, the only thing that you call for us is honesty. God, for some people, they're, they're finally tired of being sick and tired. I'm ready to be honest about where I am. And I, I pray right now, God, that in this honest moment, Lord, that you would show up. That you would fill, that you would refresh, that you would renew. Come on, will you just pray this with me? Everybody across this room, say, Father, thank you for sending Jesus to pay for my sins. Today, I declare that I am a sinner in need of your grace. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Forgive me. Make me new. Help me. Surround me with people who can love me and make me the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen.